2: From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star
3: Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.
1: Welcome, nerdy knights of the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take those extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Padawan Learner and defender of droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome,
0: welcome.
2: Hello there. I'm Colleen McMillan, Rebel Scum collaborator and
0: Jedi Master. And I am Pirate Jedi, Anders Drew.
2: While we
1: vary in terms of our ranks here on BGS, one thing will always remain constant. Much to learn we still have.
2: This season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we're taking a detailed dorky dive into Star Wars Rebels, Today we're diving into the season two premiere, two-part episode, "The Siege of Lothal." Yes.
0: Just like the Ghost, we Super. are scrambling our signature to avoid spoilers for future episodes. But I will throw in an adult content warning uh, for later on in this episode, just for those young.
2: Thirst ones. shall be had.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, let's hop aboard the Ghost and head to Lothal to explore our holocrons of knowledge. Colleen, why don't you crack open that first holocron for us?
2: Excellent. Yes, our first holocron is the Journal of the Wills, in which we go over the plot for today's episodes. These episodes were actually released as a quote-unquote movie event, so we broke down the plot. Otherwise, we'd lose our voices real fast if one of us was trying to go over the plot for each episode. Yep. A lot going so, on here. I know, right? There's a lot. I tried to keep the summary short, and I was like, nope, can't do that. Time to break everything down. <laughs> but seriously, what an opener for season two. Amazing. Hera pilots the ghost with her new escort, Phoenix Squadron, as they attempt to steal cargo from an Imperial freighter. They're, of course, ambushed by two Imperial cruisers, but get away with the loot. Yes. Back on Lethal, Minister Tua and Agent Callus, who's looking really good, you guys, are discussing how to deal with the Rebels. And Vader stalks in, cape flying, look and fly, with his own plan. Tua is basically at her wit's end, unsure about how to handle the situation, it's out of her control at this point.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, Hera meets up with Commander Sato, their new commanding officer. Kanan bursts in with an unauthorized message and doesn't seem too concerned with the new protocols about actually being part of a unit. Um, Absolutely wild turn of events. Tua reaches out to old Joe, the cantina owner, to contact the Rebellion and seek asylum. She offers intelligence in return and hints at a larger plan for Lothal's future that was directly ordered by Palpatine. But the crew doesn't necessarily agree whether or not they should help her. Ezra, however, is adamant that they try, and Kanan and Ahsoka agree with him. The extraction mission is officially underway.
1: Mm Hmm. Hera chases after Kanan to see why he's acting so strangely. It turns out that Kanan isn't too keen on the team up with the rest of the rebellion. He preferred working as a team, free of the higher command structure. He's already been in one war, and frankly, he doesn't want to fall into another one. Ezra overhears their argument and how Kanan worries how it will affect them all. We go back to Lothal for a moment and see that Callus is having Tua followed by a droid. The Spectres take a transport to pick up Tua, leaving the ghost behind.
2: Mm -hmm. it's like ooh, leaving the ghost it's probably not the best idea but here we are as they enter Lethal space Ezra gets an odd feeling like he's cold Kanan doesn't feel it but he's on high alert now that Ezra's brought it up Kanan hilariously steals a stormtrooper's (laughs) uniform to infiltrate the hangar as the rest of the crew wait to support him Callus though mm, always a sharp tool in the shed Callus has accompanied to uh to the shuttle and a firefight breaks out Ezra tells Tua to run to the shuttle, but once she's aboard, it explodes. Tragic. That and was a shocking Really shocking. I was yep. not prepared for when that happened. I thought that I she w- might die some other way as they tried to escape. But
1: I wanted to find out what that intel was. Like, blast it, man. Ugh.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe in the future we will find out <laughs> <laughs> what she's talking about. Callus then... This is very smart. I'm sure the droid had a operational hollow gear with it. Blames the ghost crew putting on a show to make it seem like they've assassinated Tua.
1: So
0: smart. Then as they're trying to escape, the transport gets shot down. Star Destroyers circle the capital, searching for the rebels. Vader's ready to unleash the rest of his plan, having predicted basically everything that would happen up until this point. The specters take shelter in Ezra's old house and they watch a hollow blaming them for Tua's death. Stormtroopers find the hideout and they have to flee. Kanan suggests finding a ship near the Imperial headquarters since everyone is no one would expect them to go there and everyone's yep. kind of spread out searching for them at this point.
1: Ezra adorably tries the Jedi mind trick on a stormtrooper which fails, but Kanan gets the job done. Yes, he does. They find a shuttle and try to steal some shield generators, but as they're working, Ezra feels that overwhelming cold again. This time, so does Kanan. Looming behind them is Darth Vader. Fade to to 2B continued. What a cliffhanger. Oh my goodness, so good. Of course, Vader
0: walks in with the light behind him. Total like silhouette, absolute drama. Yes,
2: this is the lead singer of the band being like all you extras stay back because i'm making my entrance right now <laughs> so good so so good part two opens right where we left off with vader advancing on canaan and ezra it's freaking scary you guys <laughs> mm-hmm. he's he is terrifying mm-hmm. but canaan and ezra still draw their lightsabers and stand their ground which is really cool like they barely hesitated before they drew down on vader Vader though wipes the floor with both of them and doesn't look like he's trying super hard. But by working together, Ezra and Kanan just like are able to force push him away into some falling walker debris.
1: I love how there's like a running theme at least from last season to this season, the like working together, opening doors and mm-hmm. pushing Vader back. I love that together now, together.
2: They're in sync. Like they're they're probably my favorite Padawan and master relationship Mm -hmm. they're so they're so perfect together (laughs) unfortunately this does not stop vader for long in a massive display of strength he lifts the debris off himself with the force kanan basically tells ezra to get the (laughs) fork out of there
0: yes thankfully sabine's wearing her beskar armor and that saves her from vader deflecting her blaster bolts but the specters do manage to escape Uh, Ezra asks Kanan what the hell Vader is. Is he an Inquisitor? He has no idea and he's so scared. Kanan says it's something worse. It must be a Sith Lord, the ancient enemy of the Jedi. They need a plan to break through the blockade and Hera's got a very good idea. Lando! He owes them a favor. Um, So she calls in her favor with Lando and he agrees to help them, but for a price. Because obviously, you know, repaying the favor, it doesn't count as payment, Apparently I guess. Yeah. No, definitely not.
1: Well, because remember, th- the gas was stolen, so there is no favor to repay. <laughs>
0: true, true, true. To counter the rebels, Vader orders Town, that little refugee settlement, burned to the ground and the refugees to be taken captive.
2: Horrible.
1: At Lando's homestead, Ezra sees smoke in the distance and goes to investigate. He goes to see what happens, and Kanan follows, finding Tarkin Town destroyed. Ezra learns that there's a cost for the actions the Rebellion takes, and it's usually the civilians who pay the price. Sabine makes a plan to slip through the blockade by using Lando's gear to multiply their signals, making it look like there's multiple shuttles leaving. This works great, fooling the Imperials. The Spectres escape into space, but are soon found
0: didn't they totally so steal important. this from firefly like isn't that yeah I,
2: it like when did firefly air yeah it is very reminiscent of something <laughs> that happens in firefly good plan though sabine i love it first so they're like is that that's a stupid lando plan she's like it's my plan yeah <laughs> and zeb's like well it's a stupid sabine plan <laughs> her banter's just so great oh serious we're getting into some serious territory here Kanan asks the rest of the Spectres how they feel about being with the Rebellion. They decide to stay with the Rebel fleet eventually, although there are some concerns. The Spectres unknowingly bring Vader right to the fleet. Like, Horrible. Dang it. Dang it. Alone at first, Vader shows off his superior piloting skills, engaging with multiple Rebel fighters and basically winning against a lot of other fighters. And the, races and to the goes uh, to help.
0: Corvettes, too. Like the... Yeah. The bigger ships
2: mm-hmm. yeah he's outflying everyone so of course we need Hera to get on the scene and Ahsoka adorably asks Ezra if she can take along with them she's like oh I think I'll just hop in the ghost and see what's going on out there
1: let me ask a question real quick who's the better pilot Hera or Vader
0: I was thinking that same thing at some point during these episodes because Hera's maneuver there is the same to use the Star Destroyers with the tractor beams it yes. is vainly hard yeah. to pull off. Yeah.
2: Yes. I mean, Vader has the Force, so that gives him an edge. But without the Force, I think Hera is definitely one of the best pilots in the galaxy.
1: Good point, Colleen.
2: The Force man really tips things in tips certain the scale. pilots' favor. Like Luke. Luke and Vader are the two really good pilots, but then you've got like Poe or Han or Hera who are really good pilots without the Force. So it's hard to... Yeah measure them against each other they're all real good though you guys but Hera is definitely cream of the crop pilot yeah Ahsoka reaches out to see how strong the force is with Vader Mm, big mistake Kanan helping her focus as Ezra warns them he's like yo guys I'm cold again this is the Sith Lord that we saw in Lothal Vader notices Ahsoka reaching for him through the force and Ahsoka is overwhelmed by what she feels coming back at her and she faints
0: the apprentice lives. So without a hyperdrive, the rebel command ship is unfortunately abandoned. Vader says that he wants the rebels taken alive, most likely because now he realizes that it's Ahsoka. And he
1: mm-hmm.
0: to interrogate her. Vader is absolutely glued to the ghost, but Hera has a plan. She threads the needle just the right amount through the star through three star destroyers. Activating the ghost hyperdrive at just the right moment. So Admiral Constantine catches Vader with a tractor beam instead of a ghost.
1: Who's surprised that Vader didn't kill these guys?
2: I mean, yeah. or maybe it happened yeah. off screen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to assume that he absolutely murdered them. He
2: killed somebody. He didn't kill Constantine, but <laughs> that poor mm. tractor beam operator is either demoted or dead.
0: Yep. <laughs> So Ahsoka asks Ezra and Kanan about the Sith Lord, and proving that she did pick up a few tricks from Obi-Wan, denies knowing who or what Vader is. Uh, As Hera reaffirms her loyalty to Kanan, whatever decision he makes about fighting, Ahsoka looks worried, kind of unsure about what to do.
1: Yep. And in the episode's last moments, Vader calls Big Bad Palpatine dismissing Callus from the bridge. Vader tells his master that Ahsoka is still alive. Poppy suggests that Ahsoka could lead them to other Jedi, such as Kenobi, if he's alive. Bum bum bum. Kenobi.
2: Oh. Well, with, <laughs>
1: <laughs> with the summaries concluded, let's move on to that second holocron, the Will of the Force, where we'll be exploring the theme or themes of today's episodes. And to kind of kick things off the episode one, I think the theme would be fairly stated as reluctant hero, at least with respect to Canaan turning away from the rebellion and wanting to operate on their own compared to Ezra, who says in regards to helping Minister Tua, that's what we do, we help those who cannot help themselves.
0: It's just such a major turnaround for Ezra. Only one season worth of growth and he is all in.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of which, episode two, Compassion, Vader says that the Rebels' weakness is their compassion. And I mean, that's clearly Ezra all over. But wasn't Anakin super into compassion in Attack of the Clones? Do we really think that compassion is a liability is it a quote unquote weakness that the rebellion can afford? I mean, I think compassion and hope go hand in hand. So of course it's something that the rebellion can afford. What do you guys mm-hmm. think?
2: I think that here they make the right choice. They can't go rescue these people right now, which really is bad. Like Ezra really wants to go save them and Zeb is ready. Zeb like grabs his bow right once, like, we're out of here. Like, let's go save these people
1: and you're talking about Tarkin Town right now. Yeah, Tarkintown, Town. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yep. Because Vader was definitely trying to draw them in to rescue these people because he's like he like, these people have a saving people thing. It's Harry Potter <laughs> all over again. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it is kind of a liability when you think about it if you're trying to be a cold calculating military tactician. But it's the basis of the rebellion also, so it's hard to balance that.
0: Right. Anders, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely something the Rebellion can afford. But just like everything else, at the end of the day, sometimes you have to make a, a terrible choice. Sometimes you have to make a hard choice. And while you know going to save those people might seem like the best thing to do in that moment, you are starting to see the larger plan. You're starting to see Mm -hmm. that you will, it's going to suck for them, but you will do them more of a service by freeing the galaxy. By instead of breaking them out of the prison, you will do them better by shutting down the system that runs the prison.
2: Mm -hmm. Big picture Mm -hmm. versus little picture.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, moving
1: on to the series theme, teamwork is obviously one of the big ones, and we saw this in season one as well. Here now, it's kind of like when to be part of the team and when to separate, especially in light of Kanan's PTSD and the cost of war. This isn't the first time, nor will it be the last time that Kanan experiences PTSD symptoms or talks about how the Clone Wars not only affected him, but everyone in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. We also see that Kanan knows just what to expect from the continued conflict. That the people who lived in Tarkintown were caught up in their battle and paid the price. So it's kind of again, what is the cost? Is the cost worth the battle really?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is something trying to
2: come to terms with it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, this is something that Star Wars has really started to dive into, especially in the last few years. I remember we talked about it in one of our Mandalorian Season 2 episodes when they're driving into the base and the comments about the people on the ground don't really care or notice that if it's the Empire or if it's the New Republic at the top because their lives don't actually change that much. Yep. (laughs) They still get left behind or caught up in the middle.
1: And we also see that some in The Force Awakens, where we get to see the stormtrooper perspective, which I think mm-hmm. is absolutely cool with respect mm-hmm. to Finn. So we are seeing that cost of war much yes. more than just the good guys versus the bad guys, which is oh, really, yeah. really cool. Yeah. And what Rebels really excels at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, I, I just he-
2: finished the Alphabet Squadron books, and they focus on both sides. And you like people on both sides. So you're. Mm-hmm. Like, good job, Star Wars, for trying to do this. It's really difficult to try and play both sides, but they Mm -hmm. do it really well. And Rebels is starting to really get into that here.
0: Yeah, and I love seeing Kanan's perspectives on all of these things because really, I mean, we know that Yoda went into hiding on Dagobah. We know that Kenobi is hanging out in the deserts of Tatooine, but we never really get into their their lives, their feelings sooner after the Clone Wars, what it ultimately did to them mm-hmm. at this kind of a level. And yeah. Kanin was just a kid when they ended. He was what, what was he, like 12?
1: Yeah. I,
2: I he thought was he was 14. fourteen? 14? I think he's 12 when Depa Balaba chooses him. I'd have to go back to the comics. I don't know if they even do ages really, but he's okay. young. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a baby mm-hmm. when it ends. Well,
1: why don't we start talking about those characters and move on to the third Holocron. Anders, you want to take us there?
0: Absolutely. This is our third Holocron, the Galaxy's Populous, where we focus on the characters and relationships that are really featured in today's episodes. And I'm going to start us off with Commander Sato. This is our first time meeting him, but we probably will be seeing a lot of him in the future as the commanding officer of Phoenix Squadron. Uh, Hera and the Specters report directly to him now. At least Hera does. Kanan might maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe not I have his own ideas about all that, but it's...
2: he seems nice, but <laughs> yeah.
0: so according to the Toho Kingdom podcast from March 4th, 2015, his name is derived from Japanese film director, I'm sorry, Jun Fukuda and composer masaru Sato who worked together on the Godzilla series, including Dave Filoni's absolute favorite film, Godzilla Mecha Mechagodzilla.
2: All right, next we're going to move on to Minister Tua. She is basically a cog in the machine. She's not like Callus or Vader who have imaginative tactics and who can easily adjust to new situations. I feel really bad for Tua, especially in this part. Oh, Joe. I love old Joe, too. Being willing to help her shows that she's probably not that bad of a person. Or it shows that he's an old softie who just wants to help people.
0: He's a bartender. Of course, he has back back channel communications.
2: (laughs) Yeah, right. right? I love that. Yeah, he can just reach out to them and be like, oh, yeah, we got a defector. (laughs) So he's basically a rebel agent at this point, which I love. Now, some people might argue that Tua knew what she signed up for. And that she was a fool to think anything different would happen to her at the end. I don't agree with this because she's a low-level government official. She has a job. And she was not involved really with rebel stuff until Kanan and crew became active. She's just trying to get her job done. She didn't know that Tarkin was going to show up, decapitate two of her underlings, basically, or her co-workers in front of her. She's got Callus, who's ISB, hanging around, who's scary AF also. And she's trying to talk to him, which is probably not the best decision, which shows how naive she really is. Like, you should not be talking to Callus like this. He will get you. Yeah. And I, I just feel bad. What do you guys think for her?
0: I feel bad for her. I also, like... I'm wondering how much she actually did know kind of when she joined the empire, like it's right. one of those things that we've started to see Amalthall, the kind of slow progression of the more fascists, the more like hardline military tactics and things start to go through, how much of that was there. Back then, like, I would assume when the Empire first pops up, like, yeah, the Navy is very strong, but most systems are probably more or less running the way they used to. Right. I agree, Anders. Um, now, that doesn't excuse her, but I do give her props for ultimately recognizing when it's time to bail. Probably yeah, should have been th- her, but...
1: I think it's interesting when she chose to bail, and I think it's interesting that she wanted to defect in the manner that she did. I really love that storyline. When it comes to should she have known better, I think I don't think she was a fool to think that anything different would have happened. I think she just thought this is Lethal, we're on the outer rim, nothing's really going to happen here, and then things yeah. just went south so, so quickly. That's what I think.
2: I agree. I think it was pretty much smooth sailing. Like people were accepting of the empire. There was grumblings, but for the most part, it was fine. And then all of a sudden it was not fine. Yeah.
1: Well, let's move on to Canaan and Hera and their uh, conflict over joining the rebellion. I love that Hera is encouraging him to talk it out. I mean, this is a couple who really thrives on communication Mm -hmm. and is not going to be willing to let things fester and implode. So I think that's lovely. And the silhouette when those two were fighting was very, very steamy.
2: (laughs) Yes. Oh yeah. When she pushed him against the wall, I was like, whoa.
1: Hera is obviously
2: in charge in this relationship. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's also really great that Kanan calls Hera general Hera. I mean, it's totally hilarious. And of course, (laughs) Hera's piloting is absolutely phenomenal. First class, as we were saying, maybe even
2: rivals Vader's. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely.
2: They're fantastic in this episode. I love them. Mm -hmm. All the Hera Kanan content, give it to us, please.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have Ezra having uh, pretty pretty important episodes for him. He doesn't play like a huge role necessarily. He doesn't get a ton of screen time on these. But when he does, he gets that sensing the cold of Vader, even before Kanan does. That might yep. be just because he's more open to things or he just has <laughs> that kind of innate ability. Not really sure. He also is the one who stands up for Tua because she is in a helpless situation. And like he mm-hmm. said, that's what they do.
1: We and help he has, those yeah. who cannot help themselves. themselves. Exactly. Ezra is growing.
2: Well, Ezra- and he has the most right to be mad at her out of all of them. Like this is his home. Mm-hmm. And he probably feels like she let this happen or at least was complicit with what is happening to Lothal. So his ability to just be like, nope, it's fine. We're going to go rescue her. <laughs> it's really singular mm-hmm.
0: and then I really noticed it on this rewatch when he ignites his saber for that first fight against Vader he is terrified he is so yeah. scared he's his shoulders are up and he's like kind of trying he's almost trying to hide behind Kanan but knows that he has to do this he has to support mm-hmm. then when Kanan gets thrown across the yard right his whole demeanor changes and he charges in like very locked in very determined just showing how much he cares about his mentor.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: He's also just willing to keep fighting. Even Kanan reminds him that they are the only two Jedi left at this point to fight the entire Empire. And he says, exactly. Well, we're still going to do it. We have to. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Great power comes great responsibility.
2: Darn right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the next of... This one, this one is tough, you guys. <laughs> After watching all the Clone Wars, we have Ahsoka and Vader. Quote, unquote, the apprentice lives. Dave Filoni told Rebels Recon host Andy Gutierrez that Ahsoka is dangerous for Vader because she could possibly bring out Anakin. Mm, mm-hmm. Vader does not want that to happen. He has buried Anakin so deeply within himself that any sort of spark would be very problematic for him at this point. He hadn't known that Ahsoka survived Order 66 until this moment in episode two, when her presence touches him through the Force. Now, we talked a little bit about this. Is Ahsoka in denial when she says she doesn't know who Vader is, or do we think she really doesn't know? Because when she says she doesn't, she has this look on her face like, "Mm, I kind of know, but I don't want to say anything yet. Is she just kind of hedging her bets that it's... Not him, or does she know? I think it's
0: a combo. I think she definitely suspects, but she doesn't know for sure. And until you are a little bit more sure, or then you might just not want to say it. So, from a certain point of view, she doesn't know. (laughs) She has her suspicion. She has a suspicion. I think she she has her suspicion, and she also doesn't know what to do with that. Like that's a huge piece of information to come out. And she doesn't, she doesn't know these people that well, probably not quite ready to uh, talk about all of her, her baggage that's coming with it.
1: I could also see it though, that Ahsoka has no idea that that was Anakin because Ahsoka strikes me as someone who is willing and able to face hard truths calmly um, you see that in the Clone Wars with Rex and mm-hmm. what happens to Rex. So uh, I don't know. I could. I, I think it makes for better storytelling if Ahsoka is in denial. But I can also see it as she just doesn't know because Anakin is so deeply buried in Vader that it's just impossible to see the truth.
2: Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want them
1: yes, to be
2: the she doesn't want to- yeah. Kind of like yeah. Obi-Wan, just kind of ignoring Padme and Anakin's antics. Be like, we're just going to push that here and away, like as far back in our mind as we can get. Yeah.
0: You can see
2: that.
0: And then lastly, we do get a Palpatine voice cameo. I was a little surprised on this watch, like as I was watching it, that we don't actually see the Emperor. We just get the, mm. the blue. The voice. The, we get the voice and we get the blue kind of outline from behind Vader, the perspective from B behind Vader. Wondering why they did that. Because the voice cameo that is Ian McDermott, that is the real Palpy. Um, And so he's officially coming into play. He's not just this, gonna be this person that we refer to, whatever. He will be a character on the show.
2: And Tua yeah. mentioned him. So it's like, he's mm-hmm. just gonna be looming in the background, which he's really good at doing.
0: Well, then let's move into our fourth holocron, Binding the Galaxy Together. This is where we explore the homages, easter eggs, connections, callbacks throughout these episodes. So Colleen, would you like to start us?
2: Yes, as you wish. Mm. Whenever someone says this, I automatically think of The Princess Bride, but hearing Vader say it is really cringy because it's that sick twist on devotion to someone else. He's not saying this as an I love you, he's saying this as you're my master, and I will listen to anything you say, including mm-hmm. turning in my old apprentice, who was basically my little sister. It's chilling how quickly he turns around and is like, "Get out, Callus! I need to call my dad." <laughs> Tattle on my sister.
0: He also he so says, bad. That-
2: "Like Vader's only loyal to Palpatine at this point."
0: He does say it he to Tarkin in A New Hope, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. like "Mm." your memory is so impressive to me
2: we have been mainlining the movies that's (laughs) true that's true that's true it does help but yeah that mm, whenever he says that i'm just like you suck (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't use those words (laughs) and then next i have the stormtroopers with the pauldrons when i first watched star wars i was like what the heck is up with these things they look silly You'll What's a pauldron
1: both, again? Sorry. It's What's the a
2: shoulder, pauldron? the extra little shoulder armor piece that oh, some of the okay. stormtroopers have on. It looks like a little sun visor on their yeah. shoulder. You'll see them in both live action and in the animated content. And it's the pauldron. There are some really giant pauldrons too in the video games, which are completely insane. Hey,
0: they were designed back in the 70s, you know, shoulder that's, pads.
2: That's true. Yeah, shoulder pads look great, guys. No. <laughs> Rex has one too in Clone Wars, this is probably the most prominent one, and it's like a whole neck piece plus his little blue offshoot pauldron thing. They're used to designate rank or specialty and come in a variety of colors. We usually see orange with the Imperials, which signifies a unit leader or a captain, but for the specialties, it's like snipers had a different color, the death troopers had a different color, the pyro guys had a different color, which of course was red. So it's fun to look closer and be like, oh, okay, so that's their unit commander. He's the one Vader's going to yell at later (laughs) when things go badly.
0: All right, Uh, and then otherwise, so the opening battle, the squad that we said that the the spectres have effectively joined now is the Phoenix Squadron, which I'm not sure if they were already called that before or if that was after the Ghost crew came up because Sabine has been doing that whole Firebird Phoenix logo. Mm -hmm. so where the inspiration which direction that went i'm kind of curious about it also struck me watching this though this whole opening battle is basically the way we were introduced to the ghost crew in the pilot just now we're in space instead of the streets of lathal they're still doing their thing they are trying to get the loot from the empire
2: Mm -hmm. stealing stuff looks great i know that the the command ship is called phoenix one but that could have also been renamed so it's We don't know which came first.
0: I don't know. Uh, And then I thought it was a hilarious moment when Kanan steals the Stormtrooper armor. Ezra calls back to his little collection, which he pulls from to get his helmet uh, upon breaking in. But he's jealous that Kanan gets the whole suit and he only has the helmet. (laughs) And then later at the end of the episode, Kallus tells Vader, everything is happening as Vader has predicted or even as he has foreseen. And that definitely gave me some chills because I was thinking about Palpatine, like sitting on the throne saying everything is unfolding as I have foreseen or to my design. Mm -hmm. And so this puts Vader in that position.
1: For sure. For sure. Well, speaking of Vader, Vader doesn't know what happened to Obi-Wan after Mustafar. And it seems that he's a wee bit obsessed with finding him. Palpy notices his eagerness and tells him to dispatch yet another inquisitor, which leaves me to wonder how many of these guys are there? How many inquisitors are there? And will we get Indeed. to see them? We'll find <laughs> out. Next up, Lando's droid is called the WL-LE or Willy. He's an R cube protocol droid, but he had a different body originally. Lando has owned WL, uh, W1LE since the Clone Wars, but he doesn't show up in the movie Solo. So where is he?
2: Where is he? <laughs>
0: Maybe he's still in the fall, just kind of, you know, overseeing that mining operation.
1: I think that makes the most sense.
2: Mm-hmm. Or he's tucked away somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> he's not on the Falcon, that's for sure.
0: He is not. That's L3's domain Mm mm-hmm yeah it's like
2: willy get out smash move have only one droid excellent
1: so i think it's a great place for us to move on to our fifth holocron colleen take it away you betcha
2: now everybody it's time for our fifth holocron the newbie from naboo this is flo's first time watching rebels she's on season two now Yay! yay I love this season so much i'm very excited for Flo. so we've tasked her with watching all of the episodes and giving us her questions and her takes i think they're gonna be pretty hot (laughs) a little hot and bothered maybe this week let's find out what our ambassador for naboo thought about today's episodes
3: i am super excited for me too because this was excellent (laughs) so i'm pumped okay so i'm actually going to kick off with a question I was wondering this during my episode watching how much time has passed since the end of season one because like obviously they have joined like some form of rebel cell which mm-hmm. I feel like would take some time I don't know <laughs> so do we know not a lot <laughs>
2: okay this and the um season one finale are both set in for bby so it's okay. the same so less than a year yeah yeah okay
3: I also just feel like they were gelling really, really well. Like, Oh, absolutely. I was just like, damn, way to go. Okay, when Ezra says she's home, like with that sweet little look on his face <laughs> when Sabine ducks back into the ghost, that was adorable. And actually in my notes, I, <laughs> I wrote Ezra plus Sabine five ever.
0: <laughs> Aww. Oh, Did you draw little so hearts cute. around it too?
3: I think I may have, actually. <laughs> <laughs> my notes are very middle school. Um, okay. During my watch, okay, the the Tua storyline. At first, literally in my notes, I wrote Tua equals fucked. Because I was just like, damn, like, she's going to go see, like, Vader and whatever and who Tarkin. And it's just like, this is all bad. Like, you do not want to see any of these people. Then she contacted the ghost crew and I was like, is she, like, is this a bigger plot for them to come back to Lethal to pick her up and then they're going to get taken, which, like, obviously it was, but she wasn't masterminding that. She just, like, wasn't smart. Right. That. <laughs> so, whatever. It turns out it was all bad. I feel bad for her because that was bad. But also, like, you kind of made your bed. You lay in it. Yeah. Um, did you,
1: before we move a, on to the question
2: about that from earlier
3: <laughs> Yeah, do,
1: did you expect her to die? Because I did not expect her to die I mean, this is, again, in quotes, a kid's show yeah. And I was really surprised that she ended up dying like this I mean, we we all know that if she went to Tarkin
3: Yeah, she be X, dead.
1: She wasn't X coming X back X marks the spot, yeah <laughs>
3: Um, no, I was not expecting that but when I did see it, it felt very um, Corday dying in Attack of the Clones with oh, the yeah. form explosion, which, you know, I'm a sucker for Attack of the Clones. So <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> that was great. But yeah, I mean, I just felt really bad for her. I feel like she was just kind of a simpleton who mm-hmm. was just kind of there.
2: The paper yeah. pusher.
3: Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Um, Kanan telling that stormtrooper to distract him. <laughs> hey like did i meet you in basic training you look familiar i (laughs) love that loud so good (laughs) he is so funny kanan with all of the jokes then ezra trying to do jedi mind tricks was adorable again i'm just like obsessed with ezra he's just so cute he's a little banter with kanan Kanan there yeah when kanan was like i wish it worked on you (laughs) ezra's like it doesn't work on me woo Cute. They they just have like such a good vibe together. I'm really into it. Here's then- here's
1: another question for you guys. I know this isn't conjecture okay. at the cantina, but why do you think Ezra doing the mind tricks doesn't work? Because we already see Ezra as such a big empath, mm-hmm. and we see him able to convince at least Lothcats to do extraordinary things. So, do we think it's just because Ezra's a Padawan? Is it something about humans? Is it simply because the creators wanted to make a really great joke right there? I mean, all of these reasons are acceptable, but what do we think is the reason for Ezra being unable to convince a stormtrooper to do something?
0: I would think that it's kind of a combination of all of those things. Like, it makes for a really funny joke. But he is still a Padawan, like, just like, you know, convincing your pet to do something is a lot easier than convincing a human to do something in general. That's
1: true. That's and true. And
0: it also, that might be, he is such, he's still so new to all of this that it would might be a little bit too much of a level up this early in the game for him to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, it's too much for him to do the vampire glamour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: I think the a human brain is yeah more complicated. Even if this is like a simpleton stormtrooper guy, He's mm-hmm. still got some force of will there. But Kanan's been around the block enough times so that he knows how to bypass that. To back. pull
1: a to pull a Qui Gon.
2: Oh, Qui Gon! Nice Sweet casual Qui <laughs> Yeah, Qui Gon doesn't even have to try. He's like, eh. <laughs> what
3: a legend! What a legend! Um, yeah, I agree with all of that. I just think a human's harder than a loth cat. <laughs> all right. Episode two. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Final yeah, shot wait. of episode one. I stood up off my couch. <laughs> that shot of Vader activating his lightsaber. I was screaming. It was beautiful.
1: Yeah. Chilling. Yeah. And I
3: had just watched um Falcon and Winter Soldier, and that final shot, no spoilers, oh, yeah. of that latest episode was jarring and like beautiful and like the creepiest way and so like the day after I watched this and I was just like "Bah!" they need to stop ending (laughs) episodes like this (laughs) so it was amazing just loved it
2: I couldn't wait for you to see these parts with Vader
3: it's like I was gonna love this so much (laughs) honestly like I am really enjoying it just because we see so little of like early Vader and I feel like yes. Earth Vader still has like so much Anakin in him, and I just like want to help him. <laughs> <laughs> as
1: as he's trying to cut off Ezra's head, moving on to episode two. <laughs> well, this is
0: this isn't really yeah, but- still early Vader. This is this is only like a year before a new hope. Four, four years. Yes,
1: true, true, true. There because
0: remember, oh, that's Ezra. Right, sorry, this is, like, yeah, that's right. This is like three or this is like three or four years before. A new hope. So he's been Vader 20 for a solid 15 like years. years.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, I would still save him, guys.
0: Earlier. Yeah, he's <laughs> earlier
2: earlier Vader. Earlier,
3: earlier. Vader. I want to see like year two Vader. But well, anyway. He's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, so's <is> Anakin. So <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: yes, he's very one. Anakin. Early Vader is very whiny Anakin. Mm-hmm. That's Anx. how
3: I like him. Inks
2: level is like here. The freaking Imperial Navy command isn't respecting him or his authority.
3: <laughs> Damn.
2: He gets so mad and then he kills a bunch of people. So then they're all like, oh, shit, we better watch out for Vader.
1: Again, Flo- this
3: sounds like absolutely par for the course Anakin. How do you
1: feel about Kylo whiny? And I know this totally kind of uh. jumps ship, but like, but since you like the whiny boys who are attractive, how do we feel about <laughs> Adam Driver smashing Giant tree- okay. anything? <laughs> in so-
3: I feel like Kylo is like an like a scene like emo boy Mm. like I feel like Kylo would like definitely go to warp tour and like wear vans that he's colored on I don't know I I just feel like that's Kylo whereas I feel like Anakin is like more like Jess from Gilmore Girls like writes poetry Mm. and like (laughs) cries in corners oh
1: my gosh
3: So I feel Get like totally that. <laughs> different kinds of whiny and I appreciate both as a former emo kid myself. Um, I, I, I respect the drip, but yeah, I'm more of an Anakin than a Kylo girl.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, we knew that.
3: I mean, but the abs though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we could do a whole pod on uh, his abs. We could do like an abs through star Wars special. Yes. Be amazing. I will write the outline for that one. Thank you. Okay.
0: Don't forget Padme.
3: Oh, Padme gets top spot. Amazing. Incredible. Like, I don't know what she's... Chloe Ting has nothing on Padme. Way to go, Padme. Okay. Episode two, it was pretty obvious right from the get-go that Caden and Ezra were no match for Vader. Like, he was just throwing down and just, like, barely trying. I was really surprised that they were able to force push him at all. That was very mm. surprising. Like, obviously, he was distracted, but still, it did not seem like that was going to be possible for them because the rest of it wasn't even close. Loved seeing Lando again. I was actually <laughs> not expecting Lando. I was expecting, what's that other guy? Vazago? Like, yeah, 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 that it's guy. Zaga.
1: Or Hondo. I was, I was ready for a <laughs> Hondo appearance as well. Yeah. I thought
3: it was going to be Vazago for sure. And so then when Lando appeared, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess Lando works here. That's fine. Yeah. That so was good to see him again. Give me every single freaking second of Vader flying. I am all amazing. about He's it. So oh my good. god, that was so good. And that was such a piece of Anakin that like lives on, just like the amazing pilot, so good. Like trusts in the force when he does it. Just oh man, all of it. Just give it all to me.
1: Who's better than the entire squadron here? Well, of course it's Vader.
3: Of course. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it was so good. Okay, so then of course we get into like the crux of this episode, which is Ahsoka and Vader like feeling each other. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Uh, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But my question is like, I couldn't tell, does Ahsoka know who it is? Like I feel like she must because she passed out. Like you don't just like pass out from like not knowing who it is. Or do you? I mean, she thinks
2: he's dead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think this is... I think it's setting this up as this is, like, her first indication that that's who it might be. Because I don't know, in any of the expanded content, I know in her novel, she doesn't encounter him. I don't think she even, like, I don't think he gets a mention, as Vader doesn't get a mention. Obviously, she's thinking about Anakin, but... And I don't think she's encountered vader up until this point so this is her first real getting that sense of him okay and and yeah. I, I,
3: it's possible if he's been around that long
2: if only if she's near him and reaches out because she yeah. closes herself off from the force for a while too oh, okay yeah.
3: <clears throat> and i mean
1: i know he's still your anakin regardless of whether or not he's dressed in Always. a cape and flouncing but for ahsoka He just feels like one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful Sith Lords just dripped in evil. So I think it's very interesting that she doesn't know. I think it's one of the coolest, I don't think dichotomy is the right word, but I think it's just a very cool relationship that someone she was so, so close to, she can't even recognize.
0: Right.
2: you guys think if he hadn't been piloting, would she have picked up on it as quickly? Because the piloting is very Anakin, so very that might have left him more open to be like That's open true. to her kind of mental probing. That's an interesting
0: one. I like yeah, that idea.
2: Like, oh, there's a like teeny little sand, sand bit of Anakin left that yeah. Ahsoka can pick up on.
3: To, like, pivot away from Anakin and Ahsoka just for a second, I do want to give a shout-out to Hera referring to herself and Cain as mom and dad. <laughs> yes. and Yes. Like make mom and dad proud. It was so cute. <laughs> I was really into that. Um, then, of course, we get Palpy, which was really mm-hmm. exciting. And then, like, honestly, my heart broke when Vader was, like, Anakin Skywalker's apprentice lives. And it's, like, oh, man, like, you are so separated from, like, you're good and wholesome Anakin yes, self, yeah. and it was just so sad man so that I, was tough.
1: I absolutely hated Vader selling out Ahsoka that just seemed like I it seemed like such a betrayal yeah
2: oh yeah for sure I
1: yeah. mean
3: even I was super sad and I haven't watched all of Clone Wars so yeah <laughs> I don't even have the whole story but <laughs> I it's felt very bad. sad yeah <laughs>
2: Anakin Ahsoka is always very sad. That's just tough. Yeah. Well, are we
1: ready to move on to Conjecture at the Cantina, our sixth Holocron? Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Well, this Holocron is where we ask our questions about the episodes and explore some wider Star Wars lore together. Colleen, want to kick us off with what Dave Filoni and the crew had to say about these episodes? Yes, yes.
2: So story runner Pablo Hidalgo told Rebels Recon host Andy Gutierrez that there is no Rebel Alliance at this point. There are a lot of cells that are attempting to join together, but they're not joining super well. These cells include the Free Ryloth Movement, which is headed by Shams and, Dula. and then there is Sagarera's faction on Onderon. So those are two of the more prominent ones at this point. And then of course we have Baal and Mon Mothma working through the Senate to try and keep things together, but also doing their rebel stuff on the side. The actual alliance doesn't happen until much closer to Rogue One. And this is for BBY, so it's gonna be about four years until the Rebel Alliance is actually formed completely.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And then I had a question. So going back to Minister Tua, she mentions this idea that rebel sympathizers have powerful friends like in the Senate or on Coruscant or whatnot. I was curious what you guys made of this, because the emperor is always kind of portrayed as this like absolute totalitarian does he still have to like cave to those upper class, those elites? Does he still have to deal with all that? Like kind of the, the bureaucracy and the wheeling and dealing that actually does come with running a government?
2: I think so. I think he has to keep certain people around because they make the wheels turn. Hmm. I
3: they think he's the- having some like very fancy like appetizer parties at his lake house in <laughs> Naboo and he's just like wooing people.
2: Yeah, I mean, certain things he needs to keep things going. The people on Lothal who would be the most powerful would be the mining families. Mm -hmm. So that's probably why they have really powerful friends in the Senate. I'm trying to think of anybody else, because at this point, Governor Price is already in place. And Ray Rosati has been ousted. So there are people he can get rid of and replace, but maybe some of these people are have too much money or too connected that he can't yet until he dissolves the Senate in a new hope when he's like, well, fuck it, we're we're done.
1: (laughs) I had also thought that she was referring to like Bail Organa and I was kind of like, well, they already know about him. That's not too helpful.
0: Yeah, I just, I have a very, I laugh in my mind thinking about Palpatine in his robe, hood up, scarred face, Doing like appetizer parties with <laughs> with, <laughs> the with the corporate partners.
3: I mean, a hundred percent, I would go. A hundred percent, I want to eat all of like the palpy, like pig in a blankets, and just like have some champagne chilling in Naboo. Um, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like Palpy still needs money, right? Like, so he still has to get that from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely,
2: especially after he decimated like all of the alien run companies at the end of the clone wars true need some help
1: here well my next question is why does ezra feel cold around vader mm-hmm. are jedi, are other jedi affected in this way i mean obviously it has to do with the plot and ezra being able to sense this kind of evil But it seems a little bit surprising to me just how cold Ezra feels in the deep of space, being able to feel Vader. You'd think that if anyone would feel cold around Vader, you'd think, well, of course, Ahsoka would feel this way. So what do you guys think? Why does Ezra feel cold around Vader and are other Jedi ever affected in this way?
3: Well, Kanan felt it too, right? He felt it a little bit. A A little little bit.
1: But only after Ezra's like, yo, dad, do you feel this? I'm yeah. feeling a little brisk.
3: Every time that happened, I was like, a dementor? But- <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't, obviously. Um, I think like Ezra, well, again, I don't know. So this is my conjecture. <laughs> I just feel like Ezra is very like in tune with other people and with other things and with people's emotions. And I mean, Vader, as much as I love him, sucks and is scary. So... I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it just, like, manifests itself in that way for Ezra. I feel like it kind of reminded me of Luke on Dagobah, like, when he goes into the cave. Mm-hmm. It's kind of felt like that, because I felt like that would be super cold and, like, horrible. So, I don't know. That's just what that reminded me of.
0: Yeah, I think it's just, I think the cold is just a very traditional way to kind of have evil manifest in a physical way. Just like the yeah. Dementors, just like other things, like how else can you really describe sensing evil,
3: mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah. Do you guys remember that? Are you afraid of the dark with the ghost? I'm cold. Oh my god, so creepy. Is
0: that the one <laughs> is that the oh, uh, the the dove painting, or is that the one with the the bike? Oh god oh i another don't thing, remember that
3: flashbacks.
0: <laughs> i do remember the. i do remember those episodes yes
2: that show scared the crap out of me <laughs> i just remember
3: that like i i was super scared i never watched it but i just remember like whenever the credits would like come on like the opening credits and it was like that candle and it would blow out i'd be yeah. like no nope, yes. tv off tv off
2: <laughs> gotta go <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I agree with you guys i think ezra's empathy is just wide open like he's wide open in the force at this point, Kanan knows how to control it, as, or Ahsoka knows how to control it. Okay. Ezra does not yet, plus his super empath power. It's just like a bunch of cold energy coming at him. Yeah. And cold equals death, and Vader is basically death incarnate. So like, mm, Yeah. You can feel it coming.
1: Well, to pivot to happier topics, Flo and Colleen and Anders, feel free to chime in. <laughs> How do you feel about Kanan in that Stormtrooper uniform? Because I did not mind it at all. Role play for days.
3: Yeah, I was here for it. I mean, I preferred the handcuffs look, but I will happily take the Stormtrooper uniform for sure. Especially like helmet off, obviously. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, he looks great. Kanan Kanan looks good in anything. He's like 6'3". He's going to look
1: amazing. I was going to say,
3: he's nice and tall for it too. Mm -hmm.
1: And speaking of which, <laughs> how tall is Anakin? Like, how jacked is this guy? Because he grips Kanan's hand and makes him drop his lightsaber, and he survives an ATDP dropping on him. I mean, that's absolutely wild. That's yeah, wild. To he me.
0: is officially, I think, I remember this from, I think it's from the A New Hope novel. One of those random things that just sticks in my mind he is officially described as two meters in in his full costume okay and yeah, the costume, costume
2: gives him height because i don't think anakin is taller than kenan he might be like one. yeah like, how tall is hayden because Grish- <laughs> they said he wasn't tall enough at first to wear the vader suit well we can have a
1: measuring contest and i don't just mean about height <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs>
3: I'm just oh saying, my. Anakin is the perfect height for me to climb. That's <laughs> that's
2: high. That's <his> height. <laughs> it's all we need. Climb! I'm gonna climb you, you sexy tree.
0: <laughs> but oh, I mean, man. in terms of like straight up strength, yeah, he's obviously he, all of his limbs are mechanical at this point, so he has extra strength built in there.
2: Oh, um, that's the, the true. The suit is
0: armor, so I'm assuming that helped with the survival. This actually, when the hand comes up out of the rubble, that reminded me of. I forget if it's the first or the second Ninja Turtle movies mm. um, from like the early '90s, where Shredder like Shredder's gets like... yeah, the hand comes out, <laughs> out of the thing.
2: Or Carrie, anytime a hand emerges like that, it's gonna be really scary. Yes. Like, oh, that person should be dead. Like, oh my god, if that's not gonna kill him, what will? Not us. Yeah, not us.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of killing and not us is sabine wearing best car because vader deflects two blaster bolts at her and she survives like i think one of them even hit her visor or her yes. helmet mm-hmm. yep. so is she wearing best car is our girl like jacked up with this stuff
0: yep
1: oh that sexy. is
0: her own historical mandalorian armor
1: wow oh. <laughs> very cool very
2: cool well, she I think she's a rich girl. She got that armor, or was yeah. Jeez.
1: Well, yeah. I think that's where we'll leave it, unless you guys have any other conjectures. Anything else, team? I just I can't stop
3: thinking about climbing Anakin now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, join us again next week as we go fishing with some old friends not forgotten in Rebels season two, episode three and four. So excited! Until then. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes. Enjoy Colleen's Book Corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature and contact us through email and social media. And as always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because that really does help. Remember that you can also head to ForgottenEntertainment.com to check out all of the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family, including bum, 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 yet another Star Wars podcast where Colleen and Anders, along with co-host Daniel, and some special guests you may recognize, are examining the films in Star Wars canon.
0: We did Attack of the Clones this week, and uh, (laughs) let's just say Flo was talking about Anakin a lot
1: thirst was <laughs> let's just
3: say i'm not okay
1: <laughs> until next time staple guns up and keep those episodes streaming bye everyone
3: bye, bye.